It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jeff Carr. I'm your host and super fan of the Cincinnati Reds, and I've turned my addiction into information for you. Each and every day, I'm going to bring you news, rumors, transactions, everything about the Cincinnati Reds. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump into today's episode. for today's Locked On Reds and for today's Locked On Pirates, because this is a crossover. I have with me, joining me, the host of the Locked On Pirates podcast. He is Ethan Smith. He knows all things Pittsburgh. I'm your man, Jeff Carr. I know all things Cincinnati Reds. Let's talk about Reds Pirates here on today's crossover day. Ethan, first of all, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I uh, kind of feel like this is Game of Thrones-esque. Like, I feel like I'm like the enemy walking into uh, enemy lines, just coming in here just to have a casual conversation about baseball. I love it, though. I mean, I mean, we're definitely going to get to fries on sandwiches here in a minute. But when it comes to baseball over the last two years, between the Reds and the Pirates, it's been very interesting. Like, when you look at 2020, I, I've said this 100 million times, it's a weird year. It's hard to evaluate on its own. The Reds were seven and three against the Pirates. When you look at 2019, the Reds were seven and 12 against the Pirates. So that's uh, 15 and 14 in favor of the guys, the Buckos, over the last two years. In fact, the Pirates scored 100 runs against the Reds in 2019. Your thoughts? You have to take into the account that these teams were definitely rivals. We saw it with like the, the bench brawls and everything. So when you're and realistically, both teams were not great either. That was one thing that was mentioned a lot is like these two teams are kind of taking their aggression out on each other in terms of like just how their performance was against everyone else. But I mean, being having any winning record against any team, even if it's 15 and 14 or even 14 and 14, if you're playing 500 against a team, you're playing good baseball against that team because that means you're winning series against that team. And again, we talked about this beforehand. I think the Pirates could do this to one of the NL Central teams this year. Just like not necessarily have a winning record against that team, but like one of those wins that they get, if it's like, let's say the Brewers or the Cardinals, for example, we go in there and we're like 10 and like 13 or 14 against them. I don't remember how many times we play. That could be the difference between the Reds winning the NL Central or not winning the NL Central. Like that's really how it is as a Pirates fan this year. But, I mean, I don't take too much stock into it, with, especially with the 2020 deal, which is, like, why I like 2019 stats a lot more. But I do think a lot of that record factors into just the two teams being so familiar with each other to the point of hatred almost. But I think the hatred also spells into more of, like, a respect for the teams. Like, yeah, we're both in kind of weird spots, like, talking about 2019. We're not really winning games, et cetera. We're just going to play competitive baseball because we're not going to be playing it in October. So I, that's how I feel about it. 
think the Reds Pirates relationship has always been one of, especially like Reds Pirates fans relationship has always been one of, well, both of our teams were really good like 40 years ago. So, and now we're trying to figure out what winning baseball looks like in Mm -hmm. this brand new century that neither team has really done a lot in. So whenever they get together, there is that fiery passion, like you said, and especially over the last couple of years, the Reds and the Pirates have seen a lot of fluctuation in who's on the roster, who's playing where, who's pitching, who's hitting, all this different stuff. And now you've got another year. This year's a little bit different. The Reds had a lot of a lot of roster spots remain the same. The Pirates had a lot of turnover, but they still have a ton of talent. A lot of unproven talent, but a lot of talent. In fact, when I think of how the Reds fared against the Pirates, even in just 2020, I don't know that they got key Brian Hayes out. So I'm I'm interested to see how they fare against him this coming year, but who are the main guys that are going to carry this pirates team through 2021? Uh, Key Brian Hayes, obviously. um, But his main thing, like you said, the unproven part. Yeah. He did really good in 85 of plate appearances. It's not too many. So I want to see what he can do in 162 games. Colin Moran and Gregory Polanco are going to basically be your two sources of power in the lineup, which was kind of proven on Sunday in the uh, spring training game. Polanco did have a two-run home run, as well as Todd Frazier had a home run as well. So Todd Frazier could get in there too, but because the DH isn't universal, he's probably not going to see too much time unless Moran or Hayes gets injured or needs time off. But I would say the guys you need to watch, Brian Reynolds before last year in 2020 didn't hit under 300 at any level of baseball before he like played 2020. He burst on the scene in 2018 as part of the McCutcheon trade when everybody said he was a wasted part of the trade. And now look at him. He's our starting left fielder. Uh, Key Brian Hayes again. And biggest question to me still, I think Key Brian Hayes is a proven good. Reynolds is a proven good. Can Mitch Keller cement himself as the number one pitcher on the Pittsburgh Pirates for the future? He's had two of the weirdest years in baseball history for a guy who's played two years. It's just how it is. Like, I mean, one game he looks lights out. The next game he still lights out, but the team doesn't help him. He gets a loss. And then other games he gives up seven runs in one inning. It's just – it's the life of a young pitcher, but can he become consistent, get his stuff going, all that good stuff? Because realistically right now when you look at the five pitchers in their lineup, he's the one that I would say is going to be here in two or three years – I'm not saying that about Stephen Brault, Chad Cool, JT Brubaker, or Will Crow. Yeah, I mean Will Crow's a new addition, but he's already 26. I'm not I'm not counting on him when he's 29 to be like a part of our rotation when he's still trying to prove himself. Sure. So I mean, it really dwindles down to Brian Reynolds, Key Brian Hayes, Mitch Keller, and then maybe a prospect that comes up. But I don't expect any of them to make an instant impact. But outside of that. Everybody else is kind of just there, if that makes sense. And then Colin Moran could maybe compete for, like, some award and hitting stats, but I doubt that he does. Now, I asked, I saw this funny question the other day, too, on Twitter that somebody, like, asked me, if you had to build an NL Central team, like, mm-hmm. it was just, like, all the best players from the NL Central, would that team beat the Dodgers in a seven-game series? It's a fair question. Because you you would have to build a pretty full rotation. You Which, def- if, you're, if you're throwing in this rotation, it does not include a Pirates player. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I would, I would say probably Castillo probably gets in there for you guys. 
Yeah. Kyle Kirk's from Chicago definitely gets in there. Flaherty from the uh, Cardinals definitely gets in there. Yep. You definitely have Devin Williams from the Brewers in your bullpen. You definitely have to have him there somewhere. But that fifth spot gets really shaky. Yeah. Well, and um, but it is a seven game series. So do you really need that fifth pitcher? That's one. Of, yeah, that's one of those two. It's like probably four is where your sweet spot is for a seven game series anyway, because you're going to be getting into your bullpen a lot. There's some interesting long guys in there. And, and maybe you can take a couple of starters from different teams and turn them into long men. Um, I'm also looking at the lineup and I think it's pretty solid. Like, like the outfield yeah. for the NL Central would be very interesting. Like, obviously, you have Christian Yelich in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But outside of those two, I mean, or outside of him, what are the other two spots? It's kind of a toss-up. I mean, because then you're looking at an aging Lorenzo Kane. Um, the guy with the best batting stance in baseball in Aristides Aquino. <laughs> the best I, batting stance in all of baseball. Let's talk about him for a minute. I know this is going to change subjects a little bit, but uh, I've got a thought. When it comes to Aristides Aquino and the Reds and the Pirates and stuff like that, Going to get into that in just a moment. But before I do, let's talk about some Built Bar because Built Bar is the snack. It's going to change your snack game entirely because it's 100% chocolate, 0% guilt. I'm serious when I'm talking about how good these statistics are. You're talking about like 17 grams of protein in a bar. And every time you bite into it, you're going to think you're eating a candy bar. They've got amazing flavors like Cherry Barcia, Mint Chocolate Brownie. they got Caramel Brownie. A lot of great chocolate flavors, great fruit flavors. They've even got their brand new Peanut Butter Crisp flavor. you got to check these out. I got the best way for you to check them out, and that's BuiltBar.com. And when you do, enter the promo code Locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. That is an easy way to prove exactly what I'm telling you because I am right. You're not going to be steered wrong when it comes to snack food and me because I know my snack food. And Built Bar is amazing. Go to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order. And when you're done checking out Division Day here on the Locked On Reds podcast, hit up the Locked On Today podcast. That way you get the biggest news stories in sports every single day. Peter Bukowski, host of the Locked On Packers podcast, brings you Locked On Today. He looks all around the sports world for what is most important to you and brings it to you each and every day. Check out the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. He is an interesting guy because right now he's probably the fifth outfielder on the Reds and the fifth outfielder on the Reds may not make the opening day roster and he's out of options. He's not a guy that they can send down without putting on waivers. And I think the moment he gets put on waivers, he's going to get claimed by somebody because he's got that talent. He just doesn't have, he doesn't have the ability to get in. He doesn't have the, the, the playing time of it availability. That's what I'm looking at there. So I'm thinking, I look at it like this. He's the perfect pirate outfielder. He's cost controlled for the next couple of years. He, you guys can give him the amount of at bats he needs to develop and hell. I mean, shooting balls into the river there and PNC, that'd be pretty. 
He's primarily a right fielder, though, correct? Yeah. Hey, I mean, he could play all three spots. Center field, not as great as the corner outfield spots, but he can definitely play the corners. Because this is where now I get into the Gregory Polanco conundrum. Yeah. Because the thing is, he's in a contract year, but, I mean, Char- or not Charrington, Shelton already said going into – spring training Reynolds and Polanco are going to man two of my outfield spots Mm. so yeah I would love to have Aquino on our team because yes he fits the ballpark perfectly with the way he hits the baseball but it's again the same problem is if you're going to just start Polanco what at-bats is he going to get when he's also going to be fighting with Brian Reynolds Brian Goodwin Anthony Alford and Dustin Fowler now in the outfield because I'm going to not lie to you a Reynolds, Dustin Fowler, and now that I'm saying it, Aristides Aquino outfield for the next three years, if all those guys improve, does not sound terrible in any form or fashion at all. And and I really want to see him flourish. And I don't think he's got the ability to do that with the guys ahead of him in Cincinnati. So I'd love it if he went to Pittsburgh and flourished because he is a super talented dude. And honestly, if somebody can just get into his mind that he does not have to swing at the low and away slider that he swings at 99% of the time and he misses 110% of the time, then he would be a much better, much more well-rounded hitter because every single pitcher knows you throw a breaking ball low and away, he's going to chase it and he's going to miss it. And you're going to get out of whatever jam that you're facing whenever he steps into the box. But I think you get rid of that because he clobbers the balls that he come in contact with. I, I, I love what I see from him, but he's so frustrating to the point that I don't know that he's going to get that chance to prove that he can be a good major leaguer in Cincinnati. All right. So let's talk about this division expectations. How do you think it all falls? Because pretty much everybody is saying, and I don't think anybody's wrong in this, that the four horses at the top are probably within five games of each other, maybe six and obviously the pirates are going to have a huge thing to say about that. So what do you, how do you see it unfolding? I will say this, and this is kind of a bold prediction that I've been keeping to myself. Everybody keeps saying we're going to win 60, maybe even 50 games. I think we're going to win 70 to 75. Okay. Just because of the fact that the division is like that, that those four teams are going to like beat up on each other so much. And then they're going to be like, Oh, okay. We got to play the pirates. Let's just go sweep the series. And then we knock them out two out of three, and that's two extra wins that we have. But if you had to ask me who's going to win the division right now, I would still I would I'm going to lean against St. Louis just because of the mm-hmm. pure star power that they have at the top, which is what I think would change the race a little bit. But I'm not going to say that one team is going to f- like fly away with it. Like I've seen some people say there's going to be that one team that's going to have like 87 or 88 wins, and then the other three are going to have like 82 to 85 or like even 80 at that point, or like MLB.com, the, lo- the winner of the division is going to have a losing record. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Cardinals are going to win the division, guys, at 79 and 83, and everybody else <laughs> is going to be 78 and whatever, and then the Pirates will have 60 wins. But either way, I mean, if I had to put an order on it, I would probably put St. Louis one, Chicago and Cincinnati probably a game apart depending like so either second or third maybe playing each other in a wild card but the only problem is is i like that everybody says oh maybe two of these teams can make the wild card no there's gonna be the division winner 
and that's all it's going to make the playoffs because you have to keep yeah. in mind the Dodgers and the Padres play in the same division. One yeah. of those teams is going to be a wild card. And then you have another division that's actually paling a lot of comparisons to our division this year because they're expecting the Marlins to take a step back in the NL East with the Phillies, Mets, uh, Nationals, and Braves. One of those teams is going to probably get a wild card after winning the division, which is going to set up a very fun NL East versus NL Central matchup, whoever wins that in the division round, because I think the Dodgers get the number one overall like seeding this year. Yeah. But I would lean towards St. Louis for now. I'd say Cincinnati, too, just because I think they could beat out the Cubs purely on pitching because Kyle Hendricks is really the only like stud pitcher there now with the Darvish trade. And then I think the Brewers are like two games behind Cincinnati and Chicago. And then there's us, but that's how I would see it shaping out for now. Obviously injuries happen, surprises happen, stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to look at. I think it's intriguing because I definitely agree with you about St. Louis. I think there's just something about them. And with them getting Nolan Arenado, it just reminded me of the weird, like not the not the Cardinal way because we're not talking about Tony Larusa, but there's just something about the Cardinals that they're never out of it. And I think for that reason, which is lazy analysis, but with the guys they got in the middle of that lineup, I think they win the division. And then two, I I honestly I think I see the Brewers. And I know that there's a lot of books, a lot of sports books, and things like that that have the Brewers. Uh, pretty close with the Cardinals as far as at least over under and wins and things like that. And there's something about their bullpen. Once you get past like the sixth inning and if the Brewers got a lead, you are in trouble. You, mm-hmm. You're going to have to find some kind of weird voodoo magic to hit a ball that Devin Williams throws, especially if he's throwing that insane changeup. and then whatever else they got coming out of the bullpen. Cause they're pretty talented there. So I think Brewers two, I'd say reds three, uh, Cubs four because I think that there's something that happens. I think the Cubs underperform uh, to a point early in the season that it, it spooks them enough that they make a trade or two that kind of hurts them, kind of depletes their talent. So I think that they finish in the fourth spot. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I think there's a lot of disrespect for the Pirates. I think that there's a lot of people looking at them like they don't. They're a quadruple A team or something like that. I don't think they win 50 games. I I'd probably say somewhere between 68 and 73 for me. Which that would be a good year for us too. Cause I mean, 68 and 94 would be awesome. Cause I mean, 19 and 41, I think equated to like a 43 and hundred and some odd number loss season in a full game year last year when we went 19 and 41. And I mean, I wish we, you would have let me know this cause I could have like simmed the whole season on MLB the show real quick with the updated <laughs> rosters and see what happened more yeah. than likely like the freaking brewers would have went 105 and like whatever <laughs> odd number and like won right. the world series. But I mean, the, it's really fun when you're in a division like this for my standpoint, because I'm not going to be the one stressing about it. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> Oh, this is fun. Like just watching this all happen. Uh, there is a bold prediction I have about the Cubs And I think people really don't take much stock into that report that Chris Bryant got a text that he was traded to the Mets in the Mm offseason, and it didn't turn out to be true. But like you said, let's say the Braves are up three games at the trade deadline on the Mets in the NL NL East, and the Cubs are like sub-500 or like barely over 500, but they're behind like Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and the 
Cardinals. Who's to say Chris Bryant doesn't get traded to the Mets anyway if the right. Cubs are out of it? Like, I mean, or not out of it per se, but like they don't think they can do it. That's something that I would be watching all year. Oh, yeah. Is like just to like, I mean, because the Mets, like obviously the Mets with the way that everything they did, they want to win this year. That's like yeah. very air apparent. And there's plenty of guys on that Cubs team. And there's plenty of guys on all four of these teams that could fit over there in New York. I mean, like, there's just a plethora of different names. Like, if Milwaukee's under 500 or at 500, they could trade any kind of guy over there. Josh Hader could go right. to New York to help them out. I mean, there's all both, both teams are like that. Even the Padres could do something again if they think they're, oh, we could beat the Dodgers out in the division and avoid a dreaded wild card game. Like, that could, there's a bunch of different things. So I think that's what's going to happen is it's going to be very weird is it's going to be four teams up until the trade deadline. And then one or two are going to dump out of that race. And then the end of the season is going to be two. Now, obviously we don't know who those two teams are going to be on either side, but I mean, the only thing I'm hoping that doesn't happen is the pirates like in like May or June are somehow sub 500 and try to like make a trade or something thinking we can fight with these four teams. And then we end up being under 500. Just please don't do that to me. Just, just lose <laughs> start the season like four and 13. And then if you want to win some games, go ahead. But like, just don't do this thing where you start 15 and 14 and all of a sudden you think you can compete because you're 15 and 14 in a 162 game season. Like no that, that's one, And I hated it. I hated that. I keep bringing it up, but I hated that Chris Archer trade. The moment I saw it, because even Austin Meadows, Austin Meadows was the part of it that I was mad about. Glasnow was never going to do anything <laughs> like he just wasn't going to. Yeah. But Meadows was a pure right fielding hitter. You could have got rid of Polanco. He would have been done. You would have had a Brian Reynolds, Austin Meadows, even if you wanted to keep Polanco, Polanco outfield right now with not losing anything with everything that you have now, like Dustin Fowler, Brandon Goodwin. Um, Anthony Alford, Jared Oliver, Travis Swaggerty. You'd have all these guys, including Austin Meadows. So that's what I'm hoping for you guys, too, is, like, I just hope you guys, like, if you're going to contend, contend. If you're going to lose, lose. Yeah. Don't put yourself in purgatory. If anybody's going to do that, let it be Chicago. <laughs> no, and and man, I, I'm with you. I remember Dan Samborski writing a tweet out that was just like, You've got all these teams that are spending money. You've got all these teams that are shedding talent to add young prospects and things like that. And then you've got the Reds, who are neither trying to win nor trying to lose and are unsure as to what they are. So hopefully the Reds will know themselves uh, before the end of the game. Coming up, we're going to talk about both stadiums, whether it be Great American Ballpark or PNC Park and the food that you can get in each stadium going to talk about what we're looking forward to most but before we get to that want to let you know you've got to take advantage of this offer at betonline.ag it's going to help you get a little bit more money in your account so you can make a little bit more money on your sports knowledge check out betonline.ag and when you set up your account enter the promo code locked on to get 50 percent more on your initial deposit and when you do you'll be able to check out some player futures that they've got up there right now. Like we've been talking about the Pirates. Key Brian Hayes is the favorite to win NL Rookie of the Year at betonline.ag at plus 
4,400 right now. If you think that it's going to be key Brian Hayes, go set up your account on betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get 50% more on your initial deposit and put a bet down on that plus 400 for key Brian Hayes. That's betonline.ag and the promo code locked on. And with baseball season ramping up and getting closer, that means that fantasy baseball is taking off too. And Locked On has you covered there. Check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball, posted each and every day, taking a look at the best sleepers for your draft. They'll also help you with free agent acquisitions and trades in season. The Locked On Fantasy Baseball Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Before we uh, before we break, before we uh, take off uh, for this podcast, I wanted to talk. What are you most looking forward to once you get back to the ballpark? Because I'm a huge ballpark food guy. Like I, I've got a couple of things that I always try to get to whenever I get to the ballpark. I always try to get some fry box. I always try to get me a beer, try to get me some cheese conies or something like that. So when you get back to PNC Park, what are you most looking forward for? Now, I don't know if that'll be this year because I do not live in Pittsburgh, sadly. So mm. that'll be kind of hard. But if I do get to go, I mean, you can't beat Permanis. I'm sorry. Nobody's beating That's the idea good. of fries and Italian uh, dressing based coleslaw on any kind of sandwich. Like you're just not beating it. But one, one food place that I always, and we talked about this on the NL Central pod that everybody forgets about is Manny Sanguian has his own barbecue in center field. The great Manny Sanguian who played all these years in Pittsburgh for the family and everything literally has smoke coming over the center field wall, the big center field wall, because he's smoking up some barbecue. And then I forgot the guy's name now, but there's like another Italian place that's opening in PNC this year. That's named after a hall of famer. And I can't remember who he is now all of a sudden, but they have a bunch of good stuff. But one of the things that I always miss because I've done it, I think a handful of times now in PNC is walking across the Clemente bridge and just seeing PNC park again and having the idea that I get to go in that place and watch a baseball game. So if I do get to go to Pittsburgh this year, yes, I am finding any possible way, even if I have to sit in the damn river and just listen to the crack of a baseball in PNC, I'll I'll do it. Like, I don't even care, but like in general, Food-wise, you can't beat Strip District Pittsburgh either, like the original Perrani Brothers location. The all-you-can-eat seats up in the upper deck with, like, unlimited hot dogs, hamburgers. If you get a wristband, I think whenever I went a couple of years ago, obviously I wasn't legal to drink, but you can get, like, I think it's a $30 wristband and you get unlimited beer until the fifth inning. Ooh. Yeah, I was, like, $30 and you get unlimited beer until the fifth inning. I said, damn, that's a beer tower. Challenge um, accepted. Oh, yeah. But um, I mean, there's a lot of things that I know people in Pittsburgh definitely like they don't. Pittsburgh's weird with the Pirates because we acknowledge them like, well, I acknowledge them more, but more casual fans are kind of like it's more of an excuse to go do something fun on a weekend in the summertime because there's not really anything else on hockey and football aren't playing and stuff like that. I think people are excited, though, to just have the idea of being back in a stadium and watching a game. And I know they're doing it in spring training right now, too. It's not really the same. But, I mean, that was one thing they talked about on the Pirates broadcast on Sunday whenever they had their opener is throughout 2020, you had no fans. The game just felt different. Even that little amount of fans made the broadcaster say their job was easier 
because they didn't feel like they had to be as emotional the entirety of the entire broadcast. Right. So I think that's what people are looking for, especially with PNC. It's just such a beautiful ballpark. It just kind of sucks that the team has never really been like ridiculously great to play enough games, playoff games there and stuff like that. But I think people are looking forward to it. I, I agree. I saw somebody wrote um, going to a baseball game without fans is like a pint glass without any beer. It just yeah. makes no sense. So it's there. Everyone's looking forward to that. And you know, I can vouch for the Permani bros. I took a road trip up there, uh, obviously not last year, but two years ago to see the reds and pirates play and got me a Permani bros uh, sandwich. And I was surprised because I thought, okay, well, they're putting the fries on the sandwich. So I got everything right here, but then they like dumped more fries in my basket. And I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is all I need right here. This is good. I don't have to get any more food because this is going to fill me up for the rest of the time. I might want to take a nap in between who knows if they score any runs. So, uh, so I, I tell you what, so this is going to do it for us here for our division day crossover between the Reds division day. Division Day. It it sounds really cool. Makes me think of oh, yeah. Star Wars and Empire Day. I don't know why, because I'm always thinking of Star Wars. I don't. Uh, but Division Day. Reds, Pirates, Locked On Reds, Locked On Pirates. You can check out the Locked On Pirates podcast wherever you get your Locked On Reds podcast, and vice versa. How do they follow you on Twitter, Ethan? They can follow me at MVP underscore Ethan. I know Lucas said that on our NL Central that it was no underscore. So I don't want you guys to go follow some random guy that has nothing to do with me. So it is an underscore. And the good way to find it is I capitalize each other letter, other like E underscore T, H underscore A, like all that stuff. But also at Locked on Pirates on Twitter. If for some reason you want to see me live tweet a Pirates Reds game whenever we play, which is kind of surprising. I wanted to talk about this, that we start our season against the Cubs, the Reds and the Cubs. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, in Great America Ballpark, if I may add, which is a, I've heard is a very nice ballpark. I've never been, but I want to make a trip up there. But that's how you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm always tweeting some nonsense about something. Always I'm figuring very, it out. I'm very biased to Great America. And although I've been to a handful of stadiums, I definitely want to hit every single one. But I'm, I'm definitely biased about Great America. And whenever you come up, hit me up. We'll grab a coney. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and as far as Twitter goes for me, it's Jeff with three F's. Sean actually said Jeff with two F's, which is how you actually spell my name. But for Twitter, I added an F and, uh, Jeff with three F's car and at locked on reds as well. So I appreciate everybody downloading and listening. We will continue division day next week. We've got some more teams going on, whether it be the pirates or talking with the Cubs and the reds, and we'll be talking with the brewers or the Cardinals or somebody. I don't know. We'll be talking with somebody. We'll preview that a lot more as it gets closer. Let's go Rex. Hey. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.